Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Just as a heads up, we are holding in-person services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Also, if you'd like to join us for a to-go meal, we are serving those every Wednesday through our Bread of Life Cafe at 5.30 p.m. If you'd like to get more connected to our church, feel free to email centralchurch1 at gmail.com or call us at 513-481-5820. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, good morning. So we have been going through the Gospel of John this year. So today's kind of a different day. We uh, decided that we're going to take a little dive out and talk about our theme for this year, which is deeply rooted. And you'll notice behind me there's these excellent displays of Colossians 2, 6, and 7. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Katie Morris drew those. So she's not here today, but thank you, Katie, for drawing those. Because that's our theme for this year, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It's all about being deeply rooted in the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. So before I even go any further today, I just want to pray over this message and over the uh, ensuing time afterwards. Almighty God, we thank you for this morning, for the worship that has already taken place, worship of your holy name. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. May your words become abundantly clear today. And more than anything, may we be humble people who receive these words and heed them and live into them. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So like I said, we are taking a dive out of John. And we're in Colossians 2 today. This beautiful passage. Thank you, Tim, for reading that. He read verses 6 and 7, and I want to just follow up with a couple other verses just so we have the full picture of what, we are, what our task is today. So if you want to follow with me, if you have your Bible with you, or you just want to listen, that's fine. But I'm going to start in verse 8 of chapter 2. Paul says, Be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, that's Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been filled in him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. In him you were also circumcised, not however not however with a circumcision performed by human hands, but by the removal of the fleshly body, that is, through the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you also have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about what the task is today. The task is... I don't know how else to say it. We're going to just come into the presence of God because we trust that our God is not distant, that he's not far away, but that he's actively involved in our lives. I heard David mention that in our opening, and that is the truth. Everything we declare, like we're not deists. We don't believe that God is distant and not involved in our world. Like deism does not require anything of anybody. 
Faith in Jesus requires something, but it gives something too. So that's what I really want to come to today is we are trusting that God is here right in our midst right now. That his Holy Spirit has indwelled us and that he wants to stir something in us. Stir up a passion, as Gene said earlier too. I mean, come on, we are going to come and acknowledge that yes, God is present here and that we're going to beg God to move in a way that renews us. And trust me, like, this is not my natural way of doing things. And you'll see very quickly, like, what I mean by that. Let's talk a little bit. Renewal. Renewal doesn't come from our own efforts. It comes from our deep roots in the foundation laid by Jesus' victorious death, his resurrection, and his ascension to the throne. That's our baseline. That's where we come from. If we take any step forward, it's because we step on that foundation and we know it's not going to give when we take a step forward. That Jesus' death was victorious, that he is raised from the dead, and, but here's the important part, that he has ascended to the throne. That means he is already king over the world. This isn't just a future reality that we wait for. It's present. It's happening. So we have to step from that place. So reality we need to face is that there are barriers in our lives to renewal. I mean, you can call it sin, you can call it whatever, but here's the reality. We have to acknowledge that there are barriers to renewal. These barriers are the empty, deceitful philosophies that Paul mentions in Colossians 2, starting in verse 8. According to human tradition, there are things in our lives... For Paul, it was probably this growing thing that would turn into Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism was not really around when Paul was doing his ministry, but there were probably like prototypes of it, if you will. It was a religion that is not Christianity. It's not the same as following Jesus. It was the kind of religion that said, you know, the body doesn't matter. All that matters is that the soul lives on in eternity. But that's not first century Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is that we, our bodies will be raised along with our whole being. So we need to get that established first, but that's not really what I want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about Gnosticism in the first century and what Paul might have been talking about. What I do want to talk about is what barriers you and I face that might be preventing us from experiencing all that God has to offer. And I'm just going to level with you, like these things, we have to truly do some introspection and ask, am I yielding to these barriers? Or do I want to let God break through these barriers? So without further ado, let's talk about them. The first one I want to mention is spiritual consumerism. Spiritual consumerism. So I'm going to lean on this phrase that In our society, people want the goodness of the kingdom without the king. Let me say that one more time. In our society, people want the goodness of the kingdom without the king. And all three of these barriers that I'm going to mention today kind of play off of that idea. So let's talk about spiritual consumerism for a minute. I want the king without the implications of the kingdom. Let me expand on that a little bit. 
Spiritual consumerism is like this. If I go into, for example, a Christian bookstore and I want to read all about God, so I gather every book in that bookstore and I gain all the head knowledge I can about God, that doesn't make me any more Christian than, than the guy down the street who doesn't know Christ. Gathering all the head knowledge and consuming it so that I look smart in front of other people is not authentic Christianity. That's like, I want the king, but I don't want the application of the kingdom. So the application of the kingdom would be this. Yes, you get the king when you become a Christian, but you also get the application and the implications of the kingdom, which are things like, repenting of sin, which are things like living in community and being committed to each other. The implications of the kingdom are the king is committed to us and we are committed to him. But you know what? It's not just me and Jesus. It is us and Jesus. And it's us together. The application and the implications of the kingdom are we are not just committed to the king, but we are committed to each other. To not do that, to bail on our commitment to each other is spiritual consumerism. I'm just going to name it. It's idolatry. It is not authentic Christianity. And make no doubt, have no doubt in your mind that sometimes, yes, I fall into this temptation. It would be so much easier sometimes for me to bail on the community of the church than it would be for me to stay committed and work through our issues together. But here's the truth. We have, absolutely have, to be committed to each other as Christ is committed to us. Otherwise, it's just spiritual consumerism and it's idolatry and we need to repent of it. So Lord, I just repent of that here and now. If that's you, I'm inviting you to do the same. Leave it behind. There's no need for it. There's so much better things in life than just me and Jesus, but I'm going to not worry about anybody else. Because you know what Jesus did? He didn't just have a relationship with the Father. He had a relationship with broken people like you and me. He was committed. So we are not going to be spiritual consumerists. Here's the other barrier that I want to talk about. Self-sufficiency. I want the fruits of the kingdom without the king or I want the goodness of the kingdom without the king so here's what this might look like in practical situations let's just say you you have a cause in your life that you are deeply passionate about you're deeply passionate about a cause but the problem is you think that you can accomplish that cause without the king so if you're deeply passionate about something and you expect other people to get on board, but you want to do it without the help and the guidance of the Lord Jesus, like that's self-sufficiency. That means you think, I can do this on my own. I don't need the king. And nothing could be further from the truth. Look, I mean, that is the prevailing message in our society is like this in a lot of ways this country was founded in people experimenting and wanting to create a utopia without god I'm not saying that's the only narrative in our country's history but it's there 
And you know what? It's leaked into today. And we have to come to terms with that. And we are not self-sufficient, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I appreciate responsibility. I'm not saying be irresponsible. What I'm saying is, if you believe you're self-sufficient, you're not believing the truth. Because the reality is, we come to a place and we have to acknowledge our absolute dependence on God. Because here's the thing I want to say to you this morning is that anything we do here is bound to fail if God is not in it. It's designed to fail if God is not in it. There's no reason some things should still be continuing at the rate they are. Like our Bread of Life Cafe, I mean, seriously, the amount of funds that come in for that, the amount of our volunteers that show up for it week after week, feeding our neighbors. Like, if God is not in that, that will fail. Because I don't know how many people we have in this church that are like, I can raise the funds for that on my own. Like, who has time for that? The God of the universe has time for that. He has the attention for that. Here's the last lie or barrier that I want us to take on. Taking charge. I want control. So we had self-sufficiency. And we had this idea that, you know, I want the fruits of the kingdom without the king. And now we have taking charge. I just want control of it all. Like, I don't need God. I don't need others. It's all on me. I mean, wow. That kind of thing (laughs) is evident if you're the parent of a toddler. Like, it's either you as the parent want control and you don't want them to do things that you would find either harmful or annoying or whatever, or the toddler wants control. They want to steer the ship. There's a difference, though, between the way a toddler does it, who's growing up and trying to learn these things, and there's a difference between that and a person that says, look, I don't need God I might acknowledge him with my words, but I really don't need him in all actuality. I might acknowledge that I need the church with my mouth, but with my actions, I'm going to say, I'm going to do it my way. It's the kind of thing where Kayla and I were part of a ministry. I've told you about this a couple times, where we were uh, serving with a choir that was going to tour around uh, the nation and... The problem was we were stepping into the role for another couple who's going to step back and kind of oversee things from home base. Kayla and I couldn't do our job though because our superiors could not let go of that role. And it makes me wonder like how different it would have been if they could have released some of that. Maybe not all of it, but some of it. But this idea that if I can take charge, if I can spiritually consume things, or if I am self-sufficient, that somehow, some way, I can get what I want. I can achieve the outcomes that I desire. And it all comes down to this, that, you know, renewal is something I think that everybody knows that they inherently want. 
because they know the world isn't as it should be. No two questions about it. The world is not as it should be. Of course, there's a myth of progress that just with time and a little bit of education that things will magically get better. And there's the myth of, well, we just need to go back to the way it was. And then if we do the things we used to do them, then everything will be just fine. But the problem is both of those narratives don't work. They never work unless we acknowledge and yield to our utter dependence on the God we see in Jesus. So we aren't spiritual consumers. We are not self-sufficient. And we're not going to be people that take charge if we want to see renewal. If we want to see God make all things new, as he promises in Revelation chapter 21, then we cannot submit to those things. How can we even stand against these barriers? And open our hearts to renewal, receiving the kingdom and the king. You can't have one without the other and expect it to work. I mean, how can we stand against this? I, I honestly, I want to be very transparent with you. I often feel defeated when I look at our culture and I see the odds that seemingly are stacked against us. And I'm here to tell you, like, I don't have any clever answers for you today. So if you came for answers, you came to the wrong place, 100%. But if you came to live in the mystery alongside everybody here, then I think you're in the right place. Because I look at our culture and I see that like truth doesn't matter anymore. Like nobody cares about truth. They care about their own version of the truth. Nobody cares about accountability. They care about being right. Nobody cares about commitment. And, and I look at these things and I think, this is futile. Like, what are we even doing sometimes? I mean, do some of you look out at society and think the same thing? Like, are things ever going to be right with the world? The weight feels unbearable. And as, as the pastor here, I just, sometimes I just want to throw my hands up and say, I don't even know what to do, Lord. Like, social media just exacerbates and speeds up all of these lies the self-sufficiency, the spiritual consumerism, the taking charge. And I look at that and it's like, it's going so quickly that I don't feel like we have anything to stand against that. And the truth is, that's true. That's, that's exactly right. We don't have anything to stand against that within ourselves. Not within ourselves. But there's someone that wants to dwell within us that can do something about it. There is somebody who wants to do something about these problems. Let me offer you these suggestions, merely suggestions, not solutions. Instead of consuming spirituality, let's give our whole selves over to the Lordship of Jesus. And that means, like seriously, when I say that, I mean like looking at your Bible, for example, and looking at the teachings that make you uncomfortable. 
Maybe it's what Jesus has to say about giving to the poor. Maybe it's about his teaching of not retaliating. Maybe it's his teaching on sexuality. But whatever it is, you look at it and you say, I don't get it completely. But if he's raised from the dead, I'm going to give my whole self over to him. Whatever it is, I'm going to give my whole self over to him. Even if I don't fully understand it right now, it's better for me, instead of consuming the parts that I like and making that the center of my faith, but instead saying, I'm going to make Jesus the center of my faith. So not picking out the things we just like, but saying, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to submit. Let's try this as well. Rather than relying on ourselves, we need to admit our limitations, embrace vulnerability, and allow ourselves to live in true community with the God we see in Jesus and his church. Rather than saying, I can fix this, I can put a band-aid on it, I can plug up the leak, we're going to say, I have limitations. We're going to say, I'm going to be vulnerable with you that I'm struggling in these areas. We're going to say, I don't always get along with all these people, but I'm committed to them because that's what Jesus teaches. We can't just up and bail and say that I can fix this by myself and expect to have human flourishing that God intended for us. We are the people of God. We, you were created, yes, for God's purposes, and God's purposes are for us to be united, especially the church. Don't expect outside society to be united if we aren't. Don't expect it, because God is sending the church, he's sending you and me to go into the world and be that beacon of hope together. So let's be committed to each other in our vulnerability and in our limitations. Finally, instead of taking charge, we must submit to one another as we mutually submit to the Lord Jesus. So just think of that as the culmination of everything I just said. If you didn't get anything else, take note of this. Submit to one another as we together submit to Jesus. So that means, yes, we submit to the teachings of Jesus, even the ones that don't make sense, but we also submit to one another as we are working those things out in our lives. As we work those things out in our lives, we're committed to each other. And as we work those things out, we are committed to Jesus. Here's the final thing, and I'll just come out and say it. We need to cry out that our God would move among us, that he would spark renewal, and that he would lead us in our weakness to proclaim the good news of Jesus. I think I grew up in a culture, in a church culture particularly, where crying out to God was not normal. Uh, Even in private, it felt weird. Like I knew the first time, like uh, my dad's dad had passed away and uh, my grandfather, of course, 
That was, I think that was the first time I remember in my life genuinely just crying out to God. I never, ever would have done it in a church setting, though. I was 16 years old, I think, when that happened. And I cried out to God because there was a problem in the world, and it was death. If God is good, why is there death in the world? Just led me to cry out to God. It was ugly, too. Don't, like, imagine this is a moment you would capture in a movie and it would look cool. Like, just straight up ugly. But I'll say this. That cry to God didn't feel like anything other than me just crying in that moment. But two years later, it would make all the difference. Because God heard the pains of those cries. And two years later, I was giving my own father's eulogy as an 18-year-old. You want to talk about a God who hears your prayers, who hears your cries. I'm not just saying like, if you're lamenting something, that you should be prim and proper when you do it. I'm just letting you know that there are so many pains in our lives that we cannot contend with alone. We can't contend with it without the Lordship of Jesus, and we can't contend with it without each other. And right now, what we have this morning is we have the Holy Spirit among us, and we have each other. So I'm going to just ask boldly that you consider a couple things here. One, what is it in your life that is so painful right now that you want to see renewed? It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how educated you are, how many years you've worked in your profession, how many kids you have, how many kids you don't have. What matters is knowing that this God in Jesus identifies with our pain and he will lead us to renewal. But we have to acknowledge that there is pain in our lives. Like, if we come to a place of brokenness today, that's okay. Because God's going to meet us there. But I'm not just going to ask you to think about your personal life. You can look at broader society and mourn things. And realize that it's not just me that needs to be renewed, but... Even though renewal does start on a personal level, renewal spreads to broader society. And I've said several times that this year has been absolutely filled with mountains and valleys. There's been some great points, there's been some very low points. And those low points seem like they just keep getting lower sometimes. And that it's like, I'm never going to come to the mountain peak again, am I? And in our congregation, it feels real sometimes. There's a God who wants to do something about the problems, not in our lives alone, but also in this broader culture, in the, this neighborhood surrounding Central Church of Christ in Cheviot and Westwood. There's a God who wants to do something about it. And I could sit here and tell you that I've been to conferences where pastors come together with ideas of how to overcome these things. I've been to the conferences. 
but there's not enough strategy, there's not enough money, there's not enough resources to overcome this other than crying out to God. So what I'm going to do, first of all, is just invite you uh, during this next little bit of time, I'm going to call it a ministry time, to feel free to come and pray with uh, some of our leadership team members. Uh, They'll be standing on the side of the... uh, of the sanctuary here, and they'll have badges on that say, pray with me. They're wearing those because they mean it. Like this isn't just for one person in this congregation, like go pray with somebody if you need to. Secondly, if you want to stay seated and you want to stay where you are, I just ask that you cry out to God. It it feels weird. We're going to play a song here in a minute, and I'm going to invite Kayla to come up right now. We're going to play a song, and she's going to tell you a little bit about it. But during that time, this is a time of ministry where we're, we are inviting God's Holy Spirit into our midst to spark renewal in us so that it spreads like a wildfire to Cheviot, to Westwood, and to Cincinnati and beyond. I want to see renewal. I don't know about you, but this has been my prayer for a while. And I think we can. Not because I think there's any clever ideas out there, but because I think we serve a faithful God. So let's pray for breakthrough. I just encourage you to go talk to these people who are willing to pray with you. doesn't matter what your experience is in life. They're not going to judge you. You can be socially distanced while you do it. Whatever you need. If you need to step out into the foyer, that's fine too. But please don't let this time go by without inviting the Holy Spirit to speak into this moment, to spark renewal, and to lead us to preach the good news of Jesus. Amen.